Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Now, you've heard him before. You've certainly seen his work around town. If you haven't seen his work around town, you are absolutely not hanging out in the right places. Uh, He is the guy who founded, created, came up with the idea for the Hamilton is Home brand. You've seen the t-shirts in various languages. Uh, If you go to Ticat Games, hence the song we came in with, you see him as the game day host. His name is Max Francis. Thanks for coming in today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And you do have a Hamilton. I, I was wondering if you were going to come in with one. You do have a Hamilton. Do you ever wear anything other than a Hamilton is home shirt? I do not. You, you just go through every day. It's the same. I, I believe that if you want people to represent your brand, you have to do it yourself. You're kind of like uh, Steve Jobs yeah. or Simon Cowell. There's one outfit and you wear that every day. It's it's a really simple uniform. I don't have to think about it in the morning. How, how many different versions of the? Because you're wearing the one with Korean. Hamilton yes. is and then Korean script. How many different ones are there now? Uh, right now we have 15 different languages. And growing, I bet. And growing. Uh, I believe the next one we're working on is Hebrew. Hebrew? Wow. Yeah. I say, it, it. saying that a t-shirt builds community pride sounds almost ridiculous. I hope that's not insulting, but it no. really works. Uh, it was never about the t-shirt. It was a message and a t-shirt is a vehicle to deliver the message. So, Where did the idea come from? Uh, basically, what happened was I wanted a shirt that showed my love and my pride for this community. And uh, I had looked around, I tried to buy a shirt and I couldn't find anything that really said what I wanted it to. And I had been uh, going to auditions in Toronto, taking commuting back and forth. And I was at one of these auditions and I'm sitting in this room with a whole room full of people all from Toronto and they're asking me where I'm from. And I told them I'm from Hamilton and they said, what part of Toronto is Hamilton? (laughs) That was a real, real statement. I was like, no, 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 Hamilton on the other side of the Skyway. And they basically started berating me and telling me why would I live there. And I just remember thinking, you know what? I want a shirt that basically says, hey, I I love Hamilton. I'm proud of it. And uh, I'll wear it everywhere. Wear that shirt everywhere and let people know. Don't even approach me with your negativity because I support. The great part about it, though, and what I love about them, and I think what a lot of people love about them, is that rather than making them into something sparkly or whatever, they are the most simple shirts possible. It I is. mean, it is a simple font. It just says Hamilton is home in yeah. white block lettering. Yeah. And again, and I hope you're not taking this the wrong way, it sounds like it would not work because it would just be too simple. The simple is what actually makes it work. Uh, That's something Bruce Lee said. Uh, Simplicity is key. Like the the simpler you make something, the more effective it is. Uh, And also, uh, I guess a lot of designers actually say that the hardest thing in design is to make something look easy. Mm, That's with everything. Yeah. That's with everything. So... uh, Uh, First of all, I'd like to give a little credit to a gentleman named David Ruiz. Uh, When I first started, I didn't know anything about graphic design or anything like that. And uh, he was the one that basically helped me lay out how it should look. I had this Hamilton is home message, but I didn't know how it should be laid out, how it should look, what typography to use. Like, that is not my background. So he basically helped me, like put this whole thing together in a way that it would visually be stimulating. And when you saw it, did you go, that's it? Actually, you know what's funny? <laughs> when I first saw it, I hated it. <laughs> but he said, "He said, dude, the thing about, his exact words, he goes, the thing about design is people don't know what they want until you tell them. 
and he was absolutely right. So, full credit to Dave Ruiz. But it has worked, right? I mean, you've sold a ton of these. Ah, uh, we have. We have. Do you have any so- idea how many you've sold? I do, but I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking in the thousands. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, they are, th- and also, um, we're not going to uh, throw any axes at anybody, but I understand that there are some people in other cities that have, what's the word we're going to use, um, been inspired. They have. By, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> imitation is the highest form of flattery, <laughs> and I'd like to say thank you. I am completely flattered. <laughs> yeah, but not financially flattered. No, not even a penny. Not from them. <laughs> no. Uh, which is, you know. Come on. If you're out there and you borrowed or were inspired by the idea. Yeah. Uh, And the funny thing is, I remember when I first started doing this, um, I got one of two reactions. People either saw it and immediately loved it, or they would see it and their first reaction was, why would anyone wear that? That was, I got one of those two reactions. There was no middle ground. And uh, I just remember uh, going to different stores or whatever, wanting them to carry my product, and they weren't interested. They had zero interest. I remember going to a mall and saying I wanted to sell these, open a storefront and sell these, and they asked me what I sold, and I said T-shirts, and they hung up the phone. Do they, <laughs> does that mall sell them now? Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say anything. But, uh, but now the Thai Cats obviously sell them in their store. The Bulldogs are yes, involved. They have yes. them. McMaster, you've done a yep. uh, special one last year with the uh, – Volleyball championships yeah, yeah, that were here. Mac, Mac is, uh, uh, Hamilton is volleyball, and uh, it was a tournament we had. They held the national tournament. Yep. Uh, people from all over came. Uh, the mayor, I played in a celebrity game with the mayor, which was amazing. Big shout out to Fred Eisenberger. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's been it's been a real, what, now you have, you said you have 15 different languages yeah. other than English. Yeah. Which one sells the best? Actually, no one ever gets it right. No See, one I would have guessed it. Italian. Nope, Italian is not a really big seller. Uh, I'll tell you the number two selling one was French. Okay. Uh, number one was German. German? German. Apparently, Hamilton has a huge German population. Well, I know it does. My wife is German and, and has German background, and once upon a time, her, her family was in the Germania club, but yeah. I didn't think it would be that many. It was the number one seller by far. Really? Yeah. Would not have guessed German. No one ever does. No one ever does. Uh, yeah, we uh, basically uh, we have um, we've we've partnered. The key for what we've done is partnering with other local establishments. So uh, a lot of the things that have worked for us is partnering with like Tourism Hamilton. Mm-hmm. We're in the Visitor Center, uh, McMaster Student Center. We're in their store there. Uh, we're also at the airport, Hamilton Airport, duty free. Oh, see, there's where there. Yeah, we are in there. Because every we got to go to the news. Okay. Every airport that has a shirt from that city, those shirts suck. So, <laughs> they are the they ugliest do. and they cheapest, don't fit. <laughs> most ridiculous, stupid shirts. That it's the last minute thing where you go, oh, I got to get us thing for to take home and yeah. it's that shirt's horrible so this is thank you for that uh tr- www.truehamiltonian.ca is where you can find the website all the products you can buy stuff there uh and max will probably personally pack it for you and send it on to you. i actually do you're listening to the scott radley show podcast on 900 chml i don't know are you, i mean i don't know if you're a guy who is who pays a ton of attention to politics but we are in I was going to say we're in the beginning. We're in the late stages. We're 22 days away from a municipal election. We are. And yes, I have and been paying attention. Are you feeling, we talked about this earlier this week on here, and I wanted to get your opinion on this. Are you feeling like 
overwhelmed or swamped by municipal politics, or are you feeling like, where is everybody because there's nothing going on? Uh, you know what? I believe there's something like 47 people running for mayor this election. That's <laughs> insane to me. That's an insane amount of people. Uh, what I'd like to say is good luck to everyone. Uh, it's it's really hard. Politics is really hard. Running for politics is really hard. I wish all of you luck, and I hope you do the best you can. Personally, I'm a big fan of Fred Eisenberger. I'm going to continue to be a big fan of Fred. So, sorry, guys. I'm with Fred. <laughs> Have you, though, seen much as we head into this? Because, again, we're 22 yeah. days away. Yeah. And what really struck me this week, and we talked about it with people on the air, is that we have four, I believe, four wards where there's no incumbent running again. So you have a chance if you are a candidate. And we know municipal politics is all about name recognition. We know that. And here you have at least four wards where you have an opportunity to get ahead of things and really get your name heard and remembered and clicking in in people. I haven't seen hardly anything. Here's what... I think here's what's going on. I think there are a lot of open seats and there are a lot of candidates out there. There really are. It's just that they're not sticking with people. Like people aren't remembering who they are. Uh, as for myself, I do a lot of uh, public events. I do a lot of uh, festivals and stuff. So I see them out there. I see them with their booths, with their tents, handing out cards, leaflets, stickers, the whole nine, buttons, the whole nine yards. I see who they are. Do I remember their names? No, not a single one. So I don't know what it is that they need to do to like make people want to vote for them or remember them. I don't know what the exact trick or magic is, but... Well, without giving your address, I'm not asking for that, but w- what part of town roughly do you live in? Do you know what oh, ward I'm you're in? Oh, I'm in Jason Farr's ward. So you're in ward two. I'm ward two. Have you had, and that's, that is Jason's running again. So that's yeah. a tough one for, because the incumbents always have a huge advantage because again of name recognition. Have you had anyone buy your house yet? Any nope. candidate? Uh, I'm, well, I am never home. So if they have been but, by my but house. Have you, do you have any flyers left in your door? No. Nothing left on the mat, nothing. No, so, so, I haven't seen and they would anything. do that. They would leave that. So yeah. no one yet. See, again, I, I'm just, I'm amazed by this, that at this point, and we were talking about this at the spectator at work today about the fact that it seems as though it's a really late starting election. And I don't know if money is tight. I don't know if people are having a hard time raising money to put signs up or to do whatever. But if you're running, my goodness, this municipal politics is where you get your name out there and people, you could put up a sign and take this for what it is. I'm not actually saying this, but if you were going to run, if Max Francis was going to run, you could put up signs saying Max Francis is a big fat idiot. And you know what? It would be a crazy thing to put up, but people would go, I'm remembering that name, (laughs) right? I mean, people would, you could put up anything to do to get attention and I'm seeing, and you're not by the way, but I'm seeing nothing of anything that is being impactful that you're seeing that person, that man, that woman is jumping ahead in this thing because they're going to be remembered. No, I I don't remember anyone right now. And I'm sorry to say that, guys. I wish I did. I wish someone was sticking out in my mind, but no one is. I even think in the mayoral race. And again, I mean, you've you've pledged your allegiance to Fred (laughs) and that's good. That's fine. I mean, look, I I don't care. And I've said this on the air a million times. I don't care who you vote for. Yeah. As long as you vote, 100%. as long as you have, as long as you're not apathetic, if you vote uh, and you vote for the person uh, that I am or I'm not voting for, yeah. I couldn't care less. Just yeah. vote. But I'm looking at the other mayoral candidates and thinking, I'm not seeing a ton of things going on right now to try and topple Fred even. I know they're out there, yeah. but I'm not seeing it. Um, 
my whole thing with uh, the mayoral race and also with Fred Eisenberger, uh, Fred's been a huge supporter of uh, the city and of True Hamiltonian. Um, I would be a hypocrite and an idiot not to support Fred, so I'm 100% in his corner. Um, if if you want people support, you have to give support. So if you're not going to support other people, you can't possibly expect them to support you. I don't I don't understand that kind of thinking. No, I agree. I I think that especially in municipal politics, you need to have candidates who, and this is this brings us right around. I, I think you need to have candidates, mayoral or especially in the wards, who show that they are engaged in the ward and doing something to show that they are. If you have a candidate who is doing something to help, you'll probably remember them. Yeah. You'll probably remember their names yeah. their, or their face or something. And you go, okay, who was that person again? Yeah. I am, uh, as I say, I'm, I'm just shocked that we are 22 days away and I, I don't want to be a gambling man, but I bet you that in most wards, yeah. most people don't know who's running. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give all the candidates a little piece of advice. When I was a kid, uh, it was right around dinner time. We got a knock on the door. My dad answered, and there was a gentleman running for electoral office. And he sat there and talked to my dad for probably five minutes, interrupting dinner. And he looked my dad straight in the eye, shook his hand, and said, can I count on your vote? That was it. And my dad voted for the guy. Like, you have to get out there. You have to knock on the doors. You have to shake the hands. You have to look people in the eye. And you have to ask them to vote for you. Like, just thinking, oh, my flyer's out there or my card's out there, my button. I'm not going to remember your button. I'm sorry, I'm not. If you look me in the eye and ask for, your, for my vote, you're getting it. It's that simple. Well, there's a second part to that. Yeah. And you and I were talking about it in the break a few moments ago. And that is, I get people who call up and give me grief for stuff that I write with the spectator at times. Yeah. And if I answer the call and I talk to that person and I explain what my position was, very often, very often, by the end of the phone conversation, they have been talked off the window ledge and we're friends. Exactly. And if you are running for office and you come to, I come to your house and you say, you know what, I don't like this or I don't like that. And we can have a conversation and you can then say that what, you can agree or disagree, but at least I'm there. Yep putting myself out there and you know what, A, you're going to have respect for me. Exactly. For, for even if you disagree with me, yep. you may have respect for me and who knows, you may vote and B, you'll remember that person. I'm, I say, I, I'm waiting. I'm still waiting for the first person to come to my door for the first flyer. I talked to someone down in ward one, I believe it was today. They said they've had nothing. Yeah. Um, I don't get it. I'll tell you what. If I ever ran for political office, you guys would hate me because I would knock on every single door. Dinner time, I'm coming for you. <laughs> and you know what? If there are 15 candidates in a particular riding and it happens 15 times, people may get sick of it. But the reality is better that than not. And yeah. then the people just go, oh, I don't want to vote. I don't know anybody. Yeah. Right? And worse... You're the one candidate that doesn't do it. And so you definitely don't get a vote. Yep. It's a, um, the whole thing is a puzzle to me that we're this close to an election and it just seems, now maybe we're fatigued. Maybe we're done with, with the provincial election. We have, we have all the stuff going on that we talked about before in the States. Maybe politics has just fatigued everybody now. I don't know, but. You know what? Um. We jokingly talk about this, but it works. Uh, a lot of people wonder how True Hamiltonian grows, grew so quick, so fast. 
Uh, one of the things I did when we first started is any single person that messaged me, called me, emailed me, and they wanted a shirt, I hand-delivered it to their house. Believe it or not, it works. Oh, I uh, believe the, it. The brand loyalty you build by showing how much you care for not only that customer, but you believe in your company and your product, like – there's there's no other way to achieve that kind of brand loyalty. I believe so. it. No, I, I absolutely believe that's the case. I, I believe that if, if if I bought something from any company, but from you, and you show up at my door, I'm gonna be blown away. Oh. If I if I if I mean obviously it's a slightly <laughs> different scale, but if <laughs> if I buy something from Amazon and Jeff Bezos is at my door <laughs> delivering it, I'm probably impressed. Oh yeah, I've shown up at people's houses at eleven o'clock at night delivering their t-shirts. But see, that's. It, that's not politics, yeah. but it is politics. It is. It is politics. It's how you, there are politicians in this city and I got to tell you, I'll, I'll use a name. I don't mind because he is a guy that in, that there are people who feel strongly about him on both sides, Yeah. but there is a reason why Sam Marula gets elected time and time and time again. And what you hear from people is that he responds to phone calls and calls you back and everything else. And you may disagree with his politics. You may disagree with his thoughts. You may disagree with what he stands for, but in municipal politics, if you respond to people, yeah. they will remember that. They 100% will. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. John Tory, there's a lot of discussion. We know that in three weeks, give or take four weeks, something like that, that cannabis is going to be legalized in yep. Ontario and Canada. And the provincial government says this week, wherever you can smoke cigarettes, you will be able to smoke Cannabis. That's yeah. that's going to be their way to monitor this. I mean, it's pretty difficult to have your bylaw officers and police try and parse which one is which. If you're smoking and you're in a smoking area, that's fine. But now John Tory, the mayor of Toronto, says, well, listen, if we're going to allow people to smoke a joint in a public park or wherever else, uh, why can't they drink a beer in a public park? Why do they have to be in a licensed area? What do you think about the idea of just saying, you know what, you're adults, if you want, if as long as you're old enough, if you're, you, we are going to trust you to be mature enough to do this kind of thing. If you want to drink a beer in the park or have a glass of wine with a picnic, knock yourself out. Uh, my issue with that is the same thing with anything. When you trust people to be adults, they don't. They, <laughs> they're the worst common denominator comes out. Uh, I've had experiences with uh, me and my six-year-old daughter earlier this year walking down the sidewalk. And the guy in front of us is smoking cannabis and blowing it right into our face. Now, me as an adult, fine. There's a six-year-old inhaling that. Like, come on. Like, there's got to be common sense brought in at some point. And that's going to be a situation we're going to be facing, though. Because if the rule is now, for better or for worse, that wherever you can smoke a cigarette and walking down the sidewalk is a legal cigarette smoking zone, you will come across that. That's going to be something you're going to smell, I'm guessing, a lot, especially when it's first legalized and everyone goes, oh, look, I can smoke a joint in the street. You're going to have tons of people doing this. Well, I, I kind of equate it to when uh, it became legal to go topless. At first, everyone went crazy about it. And now you walk around, not a single person walks around topless. I think there will be a rush to it, but then it'll it'll metabolize and it'll become normal. And hopefully people will start acting normal. Now, for the record, in my neighborhood, we did not have the rush to toplessness. <laughs> <laughs> However, I do remember Gwen Jacobs was the one from Guelph. She was the, uh, the person who went in Ontario and got that legalized. And you're right, though. There were people at that time, and we still have protests and stuff where people do it and they're still... 
But it, you're absolutely correct. It didn't become, hey, look, everybody's going topless, topless now. We didn't now. become Amsterdam or you know somewhere like that. I do think, though, that we are going to see this a lot. I think that when you tell people that there is something that has been the forbidden fruit for a long time and now you're allowed to do it, I think you're going to see it all over the place. And for that reason, if only that reason... I don't agree with the idea of just saying drink wherever you want to. I don't. I don't agree with it either. I think um, I hate to say Big Brother, but I think sometimes there has to be uh, rules put in place just to govern what people can and can't do. I don't want to have to get in an argument or fight with some guy who's drunk in a park because my daughter's trying to swing on a swing and he's being belligerent. So, uh, and then you're the bad guy. I automatically I'm the bad guy. So. Yeah, I feel like there has to be rules in place and uh, people have to follow those rules. Are the rules in your mind, are the rules in Ontario right now as far as drinking, where it's licensed area, bars, wherever you're private, is that sufficient? Can you, I, it, think, I think right now where the rules are, I think there's no problem with them. I, I love going and sitting on a patio with my friends and having an ice cold beer. There's no problem with that No one's No one's not having the ability to get a drink. Yeah. Uh, well, if you want, if you want a drink outside of a licensed establishment, go to the LCBO, buy it, go home, sit in your backyard, and enjoy your drink. But that's what I mean. You can, yeah. if you want a drink, you can drink, and it's not like there's a shortage of places where you can do it. And if, and again, if you want to do it at home, gr- I mean, fine. Yeah. But I'm with you. I I don't know when we have. I don't know what the outcome is going to be as far as people walking with joints. I suppose we're gonna have a lot of butts of you know, joints lying around, just like cigarette butts, but you get a bunch of drunk people who are carrying bottles or whatever down the street. That's a whole other issue that people go, oh, come on. You're going to have people chucking the bottles onto the street, chucking the can. It just, to me, it's unnecessary. That's the thing to me. It's unnecessary. That's exactly it. It's completely unnecessary. Uh, Right now, with it not being legal, you can go to any park and there'll be families there with a cooler and dad's having a beer and uncle's having a beer. And at the end of the day, they clean up and they take it with them because they know you can't leave it there. Once it becomes legal, then people feel like they can abuse that privilege. So Right, because if it's illegal and you're just sneaking it, you're going to do it subtly. Yeah. More often than not. And yes. we're not encouraging people to break the law, but that's, no, the rea- don't. <laughs> no, but that's the reality. If it's something that you're not supposed to be doing, you will be subtle about it. You're yes. presumably, unless you're an idiot yeah. and you will not make a big fuss about it. You won't make a mess. You won't act like belligerent and everything else. I'm with you. I, I, I just don't see as much as I want people to be treated as adults. I don't see that it's a necessary change. The problem at this point. is that. of people will be adults. They will do what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it, how they're (laughs) They're supposed to do it. It's the other 20%. It's the other 20% and they are going to be loud and obnoxious and they're going to break every rules in front of everyone and that's where the problem comes in. Sadly, yes. I, I I think you're right. So... Um, I, I'm, I'm okay keeping it the way it is. And you know what, if you want to go drink at a park, uh, we didn't tell you to go ahead and do it, but if you are and you want to do it and you're going to be really quiet and really covered up and whatever, you know, not being an idiot about it, whatever. whatever. And if you see me, save me a beer. (laughs) You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. Now you're not from here originally, right? I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You came here, you adopted this city or the city adopted you. The city adopted me. So uh, let's go to this because this seems to be, as someone who is an American, uh, and I mean, it is the topic of the day. It's the topic of the week. Everyone's been following the hearings down in the States. I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of it because I don't think it matters. And I'll tell you why. 
I don't believe for a second that either side in this really cares what happened. I don't believe either side really cares about who's telling the truth or if there is some truth in the middle or whatever else. I think both sides came into it with a view, left with a view, and all they want to do is win, and they couldn't care less who they destroy, both sides, and they don't care if one of them is... uh, There is nothing here but winning. Oh, absolutely. Uh, They threw a grenade in there, and uh, they're just basically whatever happens, happens. So... uh, you know what? Everything that's happening in the U.S. right now, I look at it and I just feel I feel sad. I feel like there's a lot of maliciousness. There's a lot of anger. And someone needs to step up and just try to, like, maybe just give them a hug. I think everyone needs a big hug, group hug. But, Max, the part of this that makes it so difficult, and there's a lot of things, and this, is, this to me is um, – this, these hearings that everyone's been watching and talking about are an exclamation mark because yes. they are a very visceral moment that you can look at and see the divide playing out. But the difficult part of this is if you are on the right, you are saying the left is angry and I'm not angry. The left is angry and they're not working with us. And if you're on the left, you're saying the right is angry yeah. and nobody that I can see seems willing to accept that regardless of what side you're on, there's some fault. Maybe we can work together. This is, it has, the divide has grown so sharp that do you see, and this is, this is the big question to me. Do you see any way this country pulls itself back together at some point? I don't see any way that happens. Uh, It can't pull itself back together under its current leadership. It would have to be someone brand new. But I'm not sure that even if it was a democratic leader, if it was a woman, if it was, I don't think there is because of the divide. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. The other side is going to be enraged. We saw that with Obama. Oh yeah. We see it with Trump. We saw it with Bush. We saw it with Clinton. Go back to maybe the last one that had any kind of peace was George H.W. Bush. It doesn't matter who wins the White House. There's rage. There is rage. Uh, You know what? People are angry because of, not only because of politics, but because of their social settings or their income or because of where they work. There are a lot of reasons people are angry. And what happens is they misdirect that anger. So it's easy to say, hey, Donald Trump is the reason I'm mad or this person's the reason. Instead of just looking internally and be like, you know what? Maybe I'm angry because I'm not happy with my life. So, But that's a lot more difficult to say than to put that blame on someone else. Exactly. Way easier to lash out at Trump or Hillary Clinton or whomever. It is way easier. And that's what I feel like the majority of people are doing. They're lashing out. That's what the problem is. But again, when you watch this thing, and I don't know how much of it you watched. I didn't watch while I was working. I didn't get to watch a lot of it. I saw highlights and I've read about it. I, I watch this and I see there is absolutely no common ground. Like we are, we, the Americans, it, it is past the point of there could be a bridge built, it seems. It just, there's no, I don't see any way for this to come back together. Um, the thing with bridges is in order to build a bridge, you need both sides working together. And I feel like at this point, everyone's just burning bridges. They're, <laughs> they're definitely not trying to build any bridges. Uh, and I don't think they want to work together. I don't think they want to find common ground. I think at, no. I think they're just literally there to make the other side look bad. I, I agree. I know I agree 100%. I, and when we saw the way the questioning was done in this, the, the, in this particular case, when the Democrats were questioning her, yeah. They weren't really asking questions. They were making statements against him. When the Republicans were questioning him, they weren't really asking questions. They were making statements about her or about the process. There was no, I saw nothing in this at all 
that said that anybody was actually interested in finding it. The only person maybe in this whole process that you could point to and say came out of this not tarred was the woman who was asking the questions, yeah. the, uh, the prosecutor who was brought in and she seemed reasonably level and reasonably measured. Okay. Everyone else was, yeah. Um, I also think with situations like this, there's right and wrong. So at the end of the day, if someone did something wrong or if someone else was hurt, you need to own up to that. Like just own up and uh, basically come forward and say, hey, I was wrong. I did something wrong. If you did and uh, own up to it, just take ownership for your action. I think if you are someone who is looking at uh, at Kavanaugh and at her and saying she's lying, I think you're misguided because I don't think we can know. I don't think, uh, Professor Ford, I don't think we have any idea, quite honestly, based on what we've seen. I think it would be misguided to say, to just conclude out of hand, she's lying and she's making it up for political partisan reasons. Flip side, Based on her testimony and the lack of corroborating evidence of not being able to say where it happened, exactly when it happened, the people that she said were there have said they weren't there, uh, that raises red flags as well. This whole thing, Max, becomes this giant, as you you, you said, grenade off the yeah. top. And that's exactly what it is. And I'm not, I don't want to say, although lots of other people have, I don't want to say either of them is lying okay. because I, but somebody is not telling the complete truth, but I don't know who based on this. And yet everybody has decided who, and I don't think if you were an objective person who was looking at this coming in from out of the blue, you don't know anything about American politics. You listen to this. I don't think there is a person alive who could say, I can tell you who's telling the truth in this case. I absolutely cannot tell who's telling the truth or who's not. And you know what? It's a scary thing. Uh, it it makes you feel as though if I were in that situation, what would I do? How would I defend myself, or how would how would I go about dealing with something like that? And at the end of the day, I don't know. I really don't. It, it, so yeah, if the story, if somehow she has made a mistake and is not, and it's not him that she's talking about, and we're assuming, and I, I I'm not gonna say otherwise that something happened to her at one time or another if she made a mistake and he in fact was not the guy it's a good point how do you possibly in this climate defend yourself on the flip side if he was and it's 40 years ago now something like that how do you possibly prove that it was him and did happen but again we've gotten to a point where Clearly, there's no facts that matter in this thing. You came into it if you were a Democrat, believing that he's a pig and that she was a victim. Yeah. And you came into this if you're a Republican, left wing, right wing, whatever, thinking she's making it up. She's for partisan purposes and he is being railroaded. And I don't believe there's a single person who followed this and changed their mind. Um, wow. Okay. First of all, I, I, I want to make one, one little correction. Um, I'm not defending this guy in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I believe that anyone who's put in that situation, whether it's a guy or girl, uh, they deserve their moment in court or whatever to defend themselves. Uh, if he did do this or if she was a victim of this stuff, then it's absolutely not right. 
I don't know who's telling the truth or who's lying. And it would be impossible to clarify that because I have people that are close to me and I can't tell when they're lying to me. So how am I going to tell if a stranger's lying? Does that not, though, make this particularly uh, difficult and almost and, and troubling in a lot of ways? Because, again, uh, and I know you're not defending him, and, yeah. but if we can't tell, yeah. if we can't, if the evidence is not there and we have no real sense, and again, I know people say believe the women. Yes, we should believe women, but I don't believe that by extension that means we must then disbelieve men whenever they speak. I, I don't believe that by believing women you must then believe the man is lying. I think he is allowed to defend himself. And in this case, when there is absolutely no clarity and yet everybody has made up their mind, that to me takes us to where we started this discussion. We have a terribly unavoidably divided country Okay. that everybody came into this with a belief. Yeah. Everyone has their beliefs solidified by this. No one's had their, I don't believe their belief. I bet you, I'd be willing to put money on the fact that almost nobody. No one changed sides. Changed sides. Not a single it person. It simply burrowed you deeper into your yeah. side, whatever you heard. Yeah. So how, and again, I go back to the question, is there any way when this is where the country is now, when this is how deeply entrenched everybody is, yep. is there any way out of that? No, no, I none that I can see. Uh, I think right now they are in a lot of trouble. I think uh, any country that's that divided, there's no way that it can prosper or or basically, um, I don't know, get back to the greatness that they once had. Uh, right now, they it seems like they're in a decline. It seems like uh, they're just slowly sliding into the abyss, and I don't know how you stop that from happening. You know, I heard someone say, we got to, in a minute, we got to go to a break here, yeah. but I, I heard someone say a while ago, and I, I, I poo-pooed it at the time. I thought, oh, that's kind of over the top. That's kind of ridiculous. And someone said, you know what? There will be a second American Civil War. And I said, oh, come on, come on. I'm, I'm still feeling mostly that way, but less adamant about my position. Because if this is the direction and this is how the gap is widening and widening and, and, with so much rage, yeah, right? No, this is not a disagreement where people are just saying, well, you know what, Max, you and I share, don't agree on this, but let's go have tea. Yes. This is screaming and yelling and social media going bananas and everyone, there is rage there on is the two sides. Um, and I, I, is it, is it crazy to think there could be a civil war? I, I, I hope not. I think it's crazy, but... That's a crazy question. And it, I, I think it's way above my pay grade. It's all of our, it's all of ours. And, and again, it sounds, it sounds insane to yeah. even talk about this, but at some point, if you continue down this road and the gap continues to, continues to widen and the feelings continue to get more and more raw, what is the inevitable conclusion to that? Uh, basically, uh, it would be a lot of people being angry with each other and, and, and what happens anger, then? At, that anger could lead to... Violence. Violence. Sadly, yeah. sadly, somehow this has got to get turned around because that that is, I think, the inevitable conclusion if something doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, hopefully they get their act together. What a week. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. A, jur- a court, an appeals court in the States, threw out a verdict from a while ago about copyright infringement and ordered a new trial saying that the judge didn't give proper instructions. So what was this trial? Well, it's a fascinating thing, and I'm gonna, we're going to play you a bit of it, and we're going to let you decide. Here's the background. 
there is a group that was, I don't even know if it was a group. I think it may have just been a guy. But anyway, his his name or his group, whatever it was, was called Spirit back in the early 70s. And he played, well, he was a musician. And somewhere along the way, he wrote a song called Taurus, as in the constellation thing, Taurus. And, well, years later, Led Zeppelin put out a song called Stairway to Heaven. And Spirit, whatever his real name is, eventually took them to court saying, this sounds very similar to what we wrote. And he charged them with plagiarism, stealing their song and making millions off Stairway to Heaven. So... Does he have a case? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to play you a bit of Taurus from Spirit, followed immediately by Stairway to Heaven. I don't think Max has heard this before. No. As soon as we're done, we'll get your thought on, and listen at home. You decide what you think about this. We'll get your thought, and Will is in as well. Let Will throw in his thoughts on this one too, because he's a music guy as well. Here, first of all, is Taurus, and then it moves into Led Zeppelin with Stairway to Heaven. So there's a little bit of Taurus from Spirit. Now here's Stairway to Heaven. You know this one. All right. Do you hear a similar? I do. To <laughs> Will, do you hear a little similarity in there? Yeah, that's making me cringe a little bit. <laughs> See, the, the 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 thing about music and I guess and art and everything else is there's some wiggle room in there for commonalities or for commonly used progressions or whatever. That to me though, and I'm no lawyer, I'm no judge, I'm no music expert, that sounds very similar. It does, but I feel like all music, art, uh, speech, everything is inspired by something else. So could they have been inspired by that song? I or? suppose, although I, I do question where inspiration ends and... Plagiarism begins. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. And again, we talked about it with your shirts. Okay. Um, uh, sometimes it's not conscious. Like you may have heard a song two years ago and it's stuck in your head and yep. then you're writing music and that tune comes back and it's not that you're consciously stealing that music it's just something that you you've kind of held on to for all that time yeah i i listened to a uh an interview that was online i don't remember who it was paul mccartney's been doing a ton of press lately for some reason yeah. don't know if he's dying or something i don't know he's suddenly everywhere yeah. hope not um but he was talking about eleanor rigby oh eleanor rigby i think he was talking about eleanor rigby anyway and one of the things he was saying is he woke up with this song in his head and had it stuck in his head and couldn't figure out where it came from and spent the next like four weeks going to John Lennon and George Harrison and everybody he knew saying, do you know this song? Because he was sure that he must have heard it somewhere else. Yeah. And they said, no, that's that's yours. You're absolutely right though. I mean, we've probably been on an elevator or heard some elevator music or something and you go, 
and then like two weeks later, you're humming something. You go, yeah. I don't, I don't know where. See, I've never written a song. Yeah. So I don't know where the inspiration comes from for this stuff. I, I am not musically inclined at all. I can't play any instruments. I can't sing nothing. So, Will, when you hear that, are is it your inclination to be as kind and compassionate as Max? Because Max is a very forgiving, kind, <laughs> optimistic man <laughs> who says, surely the guys from Led Zeppelin maybe heard something, but it stuck with them and they thought it was original. Or are you saying, nah, I think they probably knew exactly what they were doing. You know what? I am not down with the Zep, but I have to say in this case, I feel like that is what happened. I feel like they would not just rip a song off. It got stuck in their head. It sat in there and eventually one of them was like, oh, I got this wicked idea because I know that has happened. I am down with Green Day and that has happened to them so many times. Green Day has? Yeah, Green Day's done it a few times. (laughs) See, there have been a number of plagiarism copyright cases that have gone through the courts that have actually led to judgments against that. One of the more famous ones is, uh, uh, Huey Lewis in the news won a lawsuit against Ray Parker Jr. for yeah. Ghostbusters, yep. which apparently was the same song as I want a new drug. I, yeah. I still don't hear that, but yeah. apparently oh, the, the background stuff all is, maybe we should one day play it on top of each other, but well, there's one thing we're all forgetting about musicians. They tend to dabble in, uh, Memory altering substances. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it may be completely unintentional. <laughs> completely unintentional. They were chilling by the lava lamp one time. <laughs> I mean, you know what? It seemed like it was pure inspiration. What I don't understand about this now, this lawsuit, and I'm going to look at. Um, uh, so the guy, Spirit, the the front man for Spirit, died in 1997. Uh, the Taurus. No, sorry. Stairway to Heaven came out in 1971. Taurus was 1968. This lawsuit didn't come out until 10 years ago or so. And I'm thinking to myself, Stairway to Heaven is one of the most well-known songs. If you are the people from Taurus, what took you so long? Uh, Surely you heard this and went, wait a second, that's my tune. If that's what happened. I don't get it. Who knows? Maybe it's a relative that inherited uh, all of the uh, music and everything from the person who died and decided, hey, I think I'm entitled to more, so I'm going to go after it. You want to play that one more? Do you still got that up there, Will? Do you still have that queued up, those two songs? We'll give people one more chance to listen and make make their own. Just give me one second here. We'll, We'll give people a chance to hear them again and make up their own mind, whether they think that there is a likelihood that this is a simple, innocent mistake that somebody was either... Hearing this once upon a time where maybe, as Max says, imbibing in some memory-helping substances in the subconscious. I am a forgiving soul. (laughs) (laughs) Or do you think that Led Zeppelin heard this and went, wow, that's fantastic. Let's put that on our album. Here is Spirit with Taurus, first of all. And Led Zeppelin was Stairway to Heaven.
You can decide for yourself. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. HBO announced, whole box office, the TV network, most people know what that is, announced this week that after 43 years... Now, I can't even believe that HBO has been around for 43 years, and I'm, I'm going to have to relook at that number. But since they've been alive, since HBO has been on the air, it can't be 43 years, anyway, that they are going to be dropping boxing. The, and HBO was the place on TV, the pay-per-view, the, the place where boxing basically lived. That is Showtime, and HBO says now it is getting rid, as on Thursday announced, it is getting rid of coverage of boxing by the end of the year. And there may be, Max, a bunch of reasons for this, but I can't help but think that at least part of this is attitudes towards sports where people are getting beaten the head. Yeah. Uh, you just scared the crap out of me. I thought you were going to say HBO's going out of business. No, 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 no. They're still, they're still going to be there. <laughs> that's where I saw my first uh, set of boobies. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's one thing HBO is known for. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure they still, I, I don't subscribe to HBO, but I'm sure late at night, those are still on there. Yeah. But no, for, yeah, it is. After 45 years as broadcaster for most of the biggest fights in boxing, this is from ESPN, uh, HBO announced it was dropping its coverage. Is boxing in trouble? Is boxing a dying sport because um, of this, because of our, we hear about football now and concussions and head, it, I got to think there's a lot of people going, I don't know if I can watch this anymore. <clears throat> Uh, I feel like with the current mood in our generation and what's happening with society as a whole, uh, a sport where you're basically just beating the other person into unconsciousness probably isn't PC. Yeah. No, it isn't. And and I'm amazed that the UFC is still seemingly hanging in, although they've, they, they're hurting in the sense that they've lost a lot of their biggest stars. Yeah, they with have. George St. Pierre and, and Ronda Rousey and others, but they still, you know, you put on a big card, people will still pay to watch it. I, I think what, what happens uh, with a lot of things is people see the knockouts, they see the violence, they don't realize what a technical sport boxing is. Um, if, you, if you actually learn to box or if you actually have boxed, it's an extremely difficult sport and it's an extremely difficult sport to master. So the people that enjoy boxing and watch boxing and pay for boxing, they're watching because it's 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 a sport. It really is. Um is it violent? Absolutely it is. But so skiing. Have you seen some of those guys crash? <laughs> oh my dear God. There's legs the flying, body parts like going everywhere. Uh, in my mind, everything's violent. When a pitcher lets a 100-mile-an-hour fastball go towards someone, that is as violent as it gets. If that thing hits you, you're gone. Like, <laughs> Yeah, there's, so the part of it is HBO says that on September 8th, it had a Superfly 3 card. It involved Juan Francisco Estrada and Felipe Orocada. It was a junior bantamweight title eliminator. It's apparently, and I'm, I'm embarrassed that I don't, know all these yeah. names, but apparently it was a big fight. It drew 298,000 people to watch. And they're looking at this saying, we just can't. They're not making money. But there must be a reason why people are turning away from boxing. And I think, as you say, you're on to something that either we're not comfortable now with the violence or, you know, horse racing has suffered. People, tastes have changed and that's not because of violence. Yeah. Tastes have just changed. I just wonder what the reason would be that boxing has seemed to fall off the map a bit. I also think uh, another thing is no one watches live TV anymore. Everything is YouTube or, or Netflix or it's all stuff that they can 
come back and watch at a later date. No one is going to take the time anymore to sit and watch. But events live. do. See, this is the thing. Are they, people, I, I agree with you uh, largely, but people will still watch events. Okay. And I remember. Uh, how long ago was it when we had the uh, Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor fight? Oh man, that was insane. that was an event. Yeah, and you know what? I went to a bar that night uh, with uh, with a buddy, and we sat, and you could barely get in. We had to get there about four hours before and stake yeah. out a seat. It was an event. But those so, those guys aren't boxers. Those guys are, are showmen. Showmen. They are larger than life. They are literally iconic figures. They built it up into something way bigger than a boxing match. Exactly. And maybe that's what's missing from boxing. Maybe yep. the fact that you don't have an Ali, now that's a long time ago now, yeah. but who would hype the fight to within an inch of its life, or yeah. you don't have a Sugar Ray. Le- uh, name- or Mike Tyson, even though people don't like him anymore. <laughs> But you know what? It was an event. It was an when event. When Mike Tyson fought, whether you loved him or hated him, you knew you were going to see something. You want to hear something really crazy about a Mike Tyson fight? The number one person most excited to watch the fight in my house was my mom. <laughs> Any idea why? <laughs> I don't know. She could not wait. Like she literally had the TV on, the meals ready, and, and, and she was front and center. She wanted to see Mike Tyson like beat someone up. <laughs> and it's amazing because you can go on YouTube. You mentioned YouTube. You can go on and watch like Mike Tyson's fastest 10 knockouts yeah. or most brutal knockouts or whatever else. I don't know how Mike Tyson would play today. See, I this is the other thing about boxing. If you had a huge star, and I don't think boxing does have a huge star. Floyd Mayweather is not a star. Yeah. He's made a lot of money. Yeah. But he doesn't fight in an exciting style and he's not really well liked yeah. and... There's nobody I don't think that really is the star. If you had a Mike Tyson, maybe this isn't, maybe we're not talking about this right now. Maybe Maybe boxing is right at the top of people's agenda. I think what happens with the lower, uh, lower classes is if you have superstars in any of the upper classes, people stay to watch all the other fights. So if you don't have that drawing power, then no one else is going to benefit from it. Yeah. The undercard dies if you know, and, and I'm trying to think of the the times that I have been really excited to watch boxing, and there's been a bunch of times, and uh, I don't know if you watched any of the Ward Gotti no. trilogy from years ago, and no. they were they were unbelievable fights because they were evenly matched and neither guy was willing to back up. And today, again, it almost sounds probably offensive to some people. They stood there and just pounded on each other. Yeah. And it was unbelievably exciting. Yeah. One of them ended up dead and the other one is not in particularly good shape. He's slurs now and stuff. And you go, oh, oh, you know, like I, and it's tough because I derived pleasure out of watching them fight. And now I look and I go, but look what it did to you. Yeah, exactly. Um, There's a lot of things that uh, added to how huge boxing was. Uh, a lot of people discount the Rocky movies, but those Rocky movies were huge, sure man. They, were. they still every, are. Every kid was watching Rocky, and by extension, it kind of made them think, oh, I want to actually watch a real fight. So, Well, there's another one coming out. Creed 2 is coming yeah. out soon uh, with Yvonne Drago's kid. He's fighting. Oh, nice. Yeah, so Apollo Creed's kid is <laughs> fighting <laughs> Yvonne Drago. That's kid. amazing. All we need is Mr. Clubber Lang's kid <laughs> somehow involved, Mr. T. No, it... Uh, it seems to me stunning to think that boxing, especially on HBO, but that boxing, a sport that for so long has been so, so much money, so that it could be struggling somehow. And at the very, very, very top levels, the 
biggest fights, as we say, McGregor and Mayweather, they seem to still be able to, because of the event, they seem to still be able to pull it off. But all the other stuff. I think... uh I think what happened is I'll call it the Sears effect. Uh, the Sears effect? The Sears effect. Uh, when you do the same thing for years and years and it's always worked, you think it's always going to work, but it's not. There's going to reach a point where the thing you're doing just doesn't work anymore and people lose interest. And How much do you think that MMA and UFC have affected boxing? Uh, hugely, hugely. And I'm going to say something very controversial here and people are probably going to hate me. I actually don't like MMA. <laughs> I don't watch it. I don't support it. A lot it. of people don't? Uh, it's not my thing. I'm sorry. And I get it. They're super talented and it's awesome and whatever. It's just not my thing. I'm sorry. And that's and that's fine. I, I really believe that that's another thing that's hurt boxing is that you have taken the all the elements of boxing and put in a bunch of other stuff. Exactly. And so now boxing to some people is boring. It can be. Yeah. It can be. And especially if the biggest star you have who is probably active right now, which probably well, there's others. I know there's the guys that were fighting on the weekend and stuff, but if one of your biggest stars is Floyd Mayweather, whose biggest attribute in the sport is not getting hit, because he's an unbelievable defensive fighter. He's yeah. fantastic at not being hit. Well, wait a second. If I'm paying money to watch boxing, I'm not going to watch someone not be hit. Hit for what? For 12 hour? rounds. <laughs> yeah. That, that is, that's the opposite of what I'm paying for. Yeah. And we can't here again, you go to your point of modern culture and modern thinking. It seems if you in polite conversation are talking about boxing and you're saying what we're saying that I want to go and watch a guy get hit in the head. It sounds off-putting now. Yeah. Once upon a time, it was like, oh, I want to see Mike Tyson pound yeah. someone's lights out. Now, if you say that, you sound like you're creepy or mean yeah. or something else. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it is amazing to me that HBO, which again has been the network, the place that has carried boxing, not at the super fights because that's pay-per-view, but at the keeping it going and keeping a place for boxers to move up the ranks that it's going to be gone. By the way, as we go to break here. Yeah. Can you name five modern current boxers? That are fighting right now? Right now. <laughs> no way. <laughs> is, is is that not part of the problem? That too? is part of the problem. Because I bet you that if you were to go, I mean, for me, when, when Tyson was fighting and you had the, the Tysons and the Lennox Lewis's yeah. and the Larry Holmes and the, you know, all those, and you go back further than that as Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran yeah. and Marvin Hagler and, and Hearns and all these guys, there was always a bunch of them. Yeah. Now... I think the last Klitschko retired. Yeah. The guys that had the big super fight, um, I'm drawing a blank on their names right now that they just had it last week. I mean, this is this is a problem. If you don't have any stars, yeah. it's a sport that's going to suffer. But yeah, HBO saying, no more boxing. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, Max Francis, thank you so much for coming in today. Really appreciate it. For people who want to get, and they should... Christmas is coming. We're less oh, than 100 days from it Christmas. It is coming. The Christmas rush is on. Is it really? Yeah. You guys already feeling it? We are feeling it already. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Where can people go if they want to either online or in the city if they want to get uh, one? You can either go to truehamiltonian.ca and you can order online. You can go up to Limeridge Mall. We have a store in Limeridge Mall. Uh, downtown, we are at 249 King Street East. We are in Tourism Hamilton. Uh, we are also at McMaster University in the Mac store. Uh, where else did I say? 
I named a couple of places. Did the Thai Cats sell anything down there? The, uh, the Thai Cat store might have a few items. Okay. Uh, ha- the airport duty free. Yes. Uh, there was someplace else I mentioned. Uh, oh, there we go. Center three, James Street North. How could I forget them? Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> yeah. So if you need, if you want to get a Hamilton is home shirt, and I'm telling you, if you haven't seen one, I, again, I don't know how you haven't seen one at this point, but if you haven't seen one, they are very cool. They are... Uh, if you're going to wear something out of town, if you're if you're just relaxing and you're going to wear a t-shirt, this is the one to wear. Yeah. And you can get it in 15 different languages. And and here's the other thing. Max is not paying me to say any of this <laughs> stuff. I'm just truly love these shirts. So I promise I promise to give him a big hug after the yeah, show. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, but no, the shirts are fantastic and they are listen, there are a lot of times Honestly, when Hamiltonians are feeling like they're in the shadow of Toronto, second, this is this is the kind of thing you can wear and feel proud about wearing it. You know what? When I first started, I remember uh, traveling and people from Hamilton, uh, when they met other people around the world, they'd say they were from Niagara Falls or Toronto because a lot of people didn't know where Hamilton was. So yep. uh, I think it's really great that we have come into our own and we can actually own our city now. We're, we're more than happy to stand up and tell anyone that asks, hey, I'm from the Hammer and I'm super proud. Of it. How long till they come out in Hebrew? Oh, <laughs> the Hebrew one should be out before December. Yeah, really? Okay, yeah. so for Christmas time, there you go. And how long does it take? If someone does want to order one online, how long does it take to get one? They uh, will have it by Christmas, right? Well, Hebrew one? I haven't no, made no, them no. Yet. I, I, I mean, <laughs> in general, just if they go uh, online. Uh, normally, if it's in stock, you'd have it in a couple of days. If it's out of stock, then we'll message you and let you know how long it'll be. And there is other stuff. There are T-shirts are there, but there's hats, there's sweatshirts, there's everything. We've got coasters, we've got uh, guitar picks, we've got toques, we've you name it, we've got it. Surprised the guy from Fort Lauderdale would have toques. <laughs> is that not shocking? <laughs> the Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on nine hundred CHML.